So in case you haven't heard, there is a football game later today. And don't worry, this is not going to be a sermon based entirely upon football games, but I couldn't help but use this as my example on Super Bowl Sunday because you'll see the connection is just too great. I have loved football since I was probably about five years old. So I've been watching the sport for over 30 years now. And as I've done this, I've always appreciated the athletic ability and the physicality and the ways that all of the individuals have to play their part in order for the team to succeed. But in recent years, I have become fascinated with a whole other aspect of the game, and that's the coaching aspect. Every football team has a whole cadre of coaches that are working tirelessly to design the plays and to find even the smallest advantage for their players to succeed. And what's interesting is that coaching staffs in general end up having their own character to them. And I guarantee you, at some point during the game this afternoon, there's going to come a time when things are going to get a little boring, because even I'll admit that that can happen during a football game. And Chris Collinsworth, the commentator, is going to turn to Al Michaels, the other commentator, and he's going to say something like, you know, Al, I just want to talk about the coaching tree that we're seeing here today. This is a phrase that gets used often in football games. And it's true. Sean McVay is the coach of the Los Angeles Rams. He's been very successful over the last five years. And so as a result, many of his assistant coaches have been hired for other teams, thus creating a coaching tree. And it's interesting because those individuals will bring the Sean McVay philosophy to their new team and organization. And all of this is actually very similar to the way that Jewish rabbis work. Hear me out on this. (laughs) Jewish rabbis would study tirelessly and commit their entire life to understanding the faith and to then teaching it to their disciples. But each Jewish rabbi would have their own take on things, their own unique twist, their own parts of scripture that they would emphasize or aspects of Jewish life that they would draw out. And so even though Jewish rabbis are all teaching the Jewish faith, they each have their own philosophy that goes along with it, their own unique way of approaching this teaching. This would be called a rabbi's yoke. Now, that's not yoke like an egg yoke, like the deviled eggs that I'm going to eat a lot of later today. This is more like a wooden yoke that would go on an oxen's back. And so the idea is that a rabbi would have their own unique yoke, their own way of teaching that they would then pass down to their disciples. And their disciples would carry that yoke upon their shoulders and bring it forward to the next generation. That's why in the gospel passage this morning, Jesus says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. His way of understanding, the Jesus school of thought, according to Jesus, is easy and light. Now that phrase should give you some additional pause, because if we know anything about following Jesus, we know is that it's not easy. It's actually very difficult and asks a lot of us. I'll get to explaining why Jesus calls it easy a little later in this sermon, but for now, what I want to look at is some of the key features of the Jesus yoke, the Jesus school of thought. What does that even mean? And I think if we were to fully define the Jesus yoke with just one word, I think that word would be generosity. 
And no, I'm not just saying that because we're in a season of stewardship and I needed to fit with the stewardship sermon. I really mean this. When we look at the way that Jesus lived his life and the way that he invited others to follow him, it was a generous way of life. We have to expand our understanding of this word generosity as well. It's not just about giving financially to organizations we care about. Jesus modeled a way of life that was generous in all terms. Think about this. I I knew, uh, I had many mentors in my life growing up, but there was one in particular right after I became a pastor. His name was Pastor Tim, and every Thursday I would go to his office and he would sit with me for an hour, sometimes two hours, and we would talk about the things that I was struggling with as a new pastor in the church. And he would have all this incredible history and knowledge that he would share with me. If he knew I was preparing a Bible study on Galatians, he would tell me all about Galatia, everything I could ever possibly know. Pastor Tim, I don't think he ever gave me anything financial or physical, but he was so generous with his time and with his wisdom. I also would be remiss in talking about generosity if I didn't mention my wife. As you might imagine, (laughs) it takes a lot of patience to be married to a person like me. (laughs) A lot of understanding. (laughs) And she is consistently generous in the ways that she is kind and giving me space and giving me understanding. And I've got friends, as I'm sure you do too, who are consistently generous with their compassion and their care. I have friends who will allow me space where I can just be vulnerable and admit what's hard for me, what I'm struggling with. And that generosity is incredibly important and healing. And so you see, generosity is so much more than just giving money financially to an organization. Generosity is a way of life. And it's a way of life that Jesus modeled for us. Jesus was always generous with his time. When he would be going from this town to that town, people would inevitably stop him along the way. And he wouldn't say, oh, I'm too busy to care for them or listen to them. No, 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 he would stop and spend time with those in need who crossed his path, bringing healing and wholeness to them, even if he had somewhere else he was trying to go. And Jesus was generous with his wisdom and his teaching. We heard it in that gospel passage. He says, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden. Those were radical words for a rabbi to speak. Normally the rabbi would only want to deal with those disciples who were smart enough, who could actually handle the wisdom of this rabbi, who could actually understand what the rabbi was talking about, but Jesus comes along and flips it on his head and shows us a generous welcome. Anyone who is weary can follow me and be my disciple, he says. And of course, The generosity of Jesus ultimately extended to him giving his life for our sake, dying on a cross for us so that our sins could be forgiven so that we would know new life. So yes, I think if we were to define the yoke of Jesus, the Jesus way of life, it would be a life defined by generosity in all forms of that word. And I think Jesus invites us to follow him and wants us to live this generous way of life because he knows that the alternative can be so destructive to us. When we're selfish, when we're greedy, when we're self-centered and trying to control everything, we close ourselves off from others. And that can become its own heavy burden as we're trying to always look out for number one. It is exhausting to try and keep up a way of life like that. 
I think that's why Jesus invites everyone who's weary to follow him because he knows that those who don't take on a generous way of life are often left isolated and alone and hurting as they try to control everything around them. Our Old Testament reading this morning that Pastor Gary uh, randomly read for us as we weren't expecting from the book of Amos is a story of a person who closed off his life like that. King Jeroboam is the person that Amos comes to prophesy against. And King Jeroboam was a person who worked really hard and who schemed his way to becoming the king of the northern kingdom. He was an advisor under King Solomon and then kind of set himself up so that when the kingdom split, he could be the king. And so he worked hard to get where he was, but then once he became king, it was all about himself. He made sure that he became more wealthy and more famous, and in the process, he completely disregarded many important Jewish rituals, and he completely disregarded the poor and the vulnerable who lived in Israel. And this is why Amos comes along to deliver a rebuke against King Jeroboam. Because when God originally established Israel as a kingdom, God said, you are my people, Israel, and remember that you were once slaves in Egypt, and so you are to care for the orphan and the widow. God, when establishing Israel as a people, established them with a clear purpose, to be the nation that cared for those who were most vulnerable, to be the nation that was generous with their welcome and the ways that they cared for others. And King Jeroboam completely took the nation off course from this purpose. And as a result, Amos comes and predicts exile for Israel and destruction for King Jeroboam. This Old Testament story, I think, gives us real understanding of what can happen when we go astray from the Jesus way of life. When we don't live a life of generosity, we can often end up like King Jeroboam. Yes, cut off and maybe even successful in what we've accomplished, but completely cut off from other people, completely off by ourselves, and ultimately in a place that will lead to our own destruction. You see, Jesus comes to show us a way of life that's better. Jesus is the Son of God who comes down from heaven to be with us, to show us how we were always meant to live. That's why he says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This life of generosity that Jesus modeled for us is the way God always intended us to live as human beings, to care for others, to take time for those who are in need. Yes, to share generously with the blessings that God has given us, but ultimately to share generously with the love that we experience from God extending that to others, connecting us with people throughout the world. This is the Jesus way of life, the Jesus way of thinking, and everyone is invited to be a part of it. And in fact, everyone should take up the call to be a part of it, because simply put, it is the way we were created to live. Amen.